0: Footballers DFS Podcast coming to you from the Play Draft Studios with your hosts, Mike Wright, Ben Cummins, and Chris Meany. What is happening, cats, kittens, dogs, all animals of all kind? How are you doing on this fine and fancy free evening? I am Mike Wright. As you heard the announcer say, this is the Fantasy Footballers. DFS podcast I'm joined as always by my man Ben Cummins how are you doing today Ben
1: I'm doing phenomenal man I'm ready to talk some GPP tournament strategy
0: now oh, well spoiler alerts Ben jeez I man, we're <laughs> my way bad, to get my in. Bad. you got into the meat too soon but you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben Cummins FF and we are joined as always, by he's not the third wheel. He just happened to be third this time. That's Chris Meaney. How you doing, man?
2: Hey, I'm glad you said animals of all kind. You can't forget about the Canadian beaver.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, of course the the legendary. We do not yeah. discriminate. <laughs>
2: no. I didn't realize.
0: I, is that a that's a different animal then? Like you have a
2: very specific. No, no. It's just like it, it's it's just a joke for the the Canadians out there who are listening. Uh, that's like. They're animals. It's like the beaver. I see. You I said see animals you're... of all kinds. So you know, you can't forget. You can't forget the beaver.
0: You've you've segmented <laughs> yourself. You're you are already planting a flag as the Canadian hero on the show. Giddy up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's go.
0: <laughs> all right. So welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. This show is DFS for the rest of us, and we are going to be coming to you once a week in the season, releasing on. Fridays, right now, we are releasing some, some strategy episodes. If you missed our first episode, it's a DFS 101. Go back and you can check that out. And that is for, uh, for beginners, for intermediates. Get to know what is daily fantasy sports. We are running a contest for the fantasy footballers. We are giving away a DFS pass. We're giving away a few, actually. And we need those five-star iTunes reviews so open up the podcast app, search for us, leave us a five-star review, screenshot it, and then tweet it to at the Ballers with hashtag BallersDFS. We're going to be giving a, a few of those away in August. And like we said, we're going to be talking GPP. We're talking Guaranteed Prize Pool. These are the tournaments. These are the big dogs. These are where people are uh, hitting it big time. They're, they're going to uh, buy a boat. After they win a GPP, at least some people buy a boat. At least one boat. At least, well, yeah, you could probably buy a few boats with some of these, some of these, uh, these GPPs. Yeah, baby. So, le- <laughs> so let's get right into it. There is a GPP mentality we talked about in the DFS 101. Gave a brief overview of a cash game where you are setting a lineup that is a little bit safer. Uh, you have some more known commodities, but in a tournament where you 're talking thousands of players, you have to make yourself stand out uh, but there 's also other other factors and strategy you need to take into account when you 're getting into the tournament play so i 'm going to come to you, Ben, uh, just start us off with uh, with one of your uh, your go to strategies.
1: Yeah, well, I think the most important thing to remember. Um, when people are trying to beat this many people, it's easy to overthink things, right? And the most important thing is opportunity is king in fantasy football. And that goes for all types of fantasy football, but especially in DFS when you're only rostering nine guys out of a lot of different games, right? And so it's easy to kind of overthink it and kind of talk yourself into perceived upside for maybe this pass-catching running back whose ceiling is like 12 touches uh, and targets combined, but you're going to fall behind the field really quickly if the rest of your competitors are rostering two running backs that are both going to see about 25 touches that day and they're doubling you up. And, you know, again, that's something that Excites you on DraftKings with the full point PPR, but you still really want to stick to that foundation of getting guys that have that are going to get a ton of opportunity because with a lot of opportunity comes huge upside, and you have to have that huge upside in GPPs, like you were talking about, Mike, to get ahead of the field and to rise to the top of the leaderboard and beat thousands of people. Right.
0: So, Chris, one of the things that uh, e- even kind of the newer players that they understand this, and that's you do need contrarian plays along with your foundation but just how how do you go about picking because there's every every single week there are there's a ton of upside guys there's a ton of of contrarian plays but how do you go about that process
2: well, I mean, you can look around the industry and look at rankings, and you'll see matchups like, for instance, Aaron Rodgers be up against Cleveland. He'd be the most expensive price quarterback, and that, of course, that's a fantastic play. I mean, who wouldn't want to play Aaron Rodgers? That's more of like a cash game play for me. I'm thinking about trying to be trying to grab players who are low owned, trying to trying to go under the radar here a little bit. Maybe a quarterback for a bad team that maybe they will lose, and and some people may think that's not a great strategy, but. They're going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to they're going to be throwing. They're going to be trying to get back into football games, uh, just shooting for upside and shooting for low ownership. Contrarian plays. Maybe you don't. Some people may think that it, this isn't a fantastic matchup for a running back up against a stronger defense. But you know he's going to touch the ball a ton of times. The volume is going to be there. The opportunity. Some things that Ben just talked about. And you can just be contrarian that way. A lot of people will say, no, I'm not pairing up a running back with a quarterback. But as Ben also mentioned, if that running back is going to catch some balls, it becomes a little bit more of a contrarian play. Uh, Some people will say things like, well, don't go against your defense. Well, your defense may get up a lot of points, but... At the same time, you may be picking on a team that will be throwing the ball a lot. Maybe you do want to target that one wide receiver who's not going to really hurt your defense in that point. So it's, there's a couple ways of being contrarian that way, looking for guys who you feel will be low-owned, just trying to be a little bit different because I mentioned Aaron Rodgers against Cleveland. That guy may be owned in 30%. I mean, his ownership tag may be 30% in that, tip, in that contest. That's a fade to me. I'm fading some of the top guys in GPPs. I'm looking for value. Uh, an opportunity, and just trying to be contrarian that way.
0: So, so uh, let's talk specifically about ownership. And on this show, that will be something we'll talk about every single week. We have some yes. uh, u- some unique opportunities and unique tools that we're going to be bringing to you each and every week. But, Chris, uh, what is your process for uh, for evaluating ownership? Because they they're not going to come out and say. Right, you don't know that in a tournament, well, when you're putting your lineup in, it doesn't say, are you, are you sure do you yeah. want to use Aaron Rodgers because <laughs> he's going to be very high owned in this tournament. Are you sure you want to do that? They're, FanDuel and DraftKings, they're not going to give you that edge. So what's, how do you go about evaluating and projecting what the ownership of a player is going to be?
2: Well, I mean, you follow industry trends. Certainly, you know, you'll hear about beat writers on certain teams, talk up certain certain players, and, and people will fall into that. They'll fall into that, you know, I don't want to say it's a trap, but they'll fall into, hey, I mean, Jeremy Macklin, for example, is getting a lot of play here in the slide. Uh, Mike Wallace is not around. Uh, he, he's low, a low price tag. Looking at price tags like that and, and, and finding value and just trying to be a little bit different because, like I said, it, it, Sometimes, like with Le'Veon Bell, I mean, towards the end of the season last year, this guy was in my lineup all the time at GPPs for the most part, and I knew he was going to be high-owned, but I just didn't care because I knew what I was going to get with him. It was a, a consistent performance week in week out with him. Uh, yeah, he was high-priced, but I, I didn't really want to be behind the eight ball, and I was going to be different in other positions. So you're right. You're not going to be able to just select uh, Le'Veon Bell and a notification is going to come up. Hey, this guy's probably going to be <laughs> 55% owned. Maybe you don't want him. Uh, but you just... It's all about matchups and rankings. I mean, rank your own guys if you want. Take a look at, you know, your rankings, fantasy footballers, mine, Ben's. Uh, around the industry, you can get a feel that way. Is like uh, Aaron Rodgers is certainly a top dog, but maybe Matt Ryan is, is a top three everywhere you see because he has a great matchup, because he's playing San Fran, and he's going to light them up. Uh, that's the way you can kind of look at it that way, and you can kind of predict ownership and predict what people are really liking around uh, the industry.
1: Yeah, you hit on it, Chris. It's all about public perception and a way to figure out what that public perception is going to be is just to listen and look at rankings and see who people are on, because it's really easy for humans to have that follow the herd mentality. And so, you know, if you want to try to win a GPP, you need to start training your brain right now to look for those guys that everybody likes and start thinking about whether it's a really good strategy or not and thinking about who is potentially a contrarian play that can give you some leverage if the guy that everybody likes doesn't hit. And it just goes back to recency bias because another thing you can do is just look at what a player has done over the past two or three weeks because the NFL... Is a week to week game, and we have to wait a whole week for games to happen. So, within only four games, it's over a month stretch. And so, people are just going to look at what's happened lately and make their decisions based off that recency bias, which is, of course, the tendency to just look at trends and patterns that have happened recently and think that those are going to continue into the future. But it's not the case in a game like the NFL because the NFL and football is inherently just prone to so much variance when we're talking about small sample sizes. I mean, we're only talking about 16 games for an entire season for crying out loud. So, you know, an example is Golden Tate at the beginning of last year. I mean, he did nothing for five weeks, right? But if you would have looked at that and said, that's a reason for me to be on him, because now I know nobody's going to play this guy because he hasn't done anything for five weeks over a month, that recency bias is going to be strong. So, When you understand that, now you know this guy's going to be low-owned because of that recency bias. Then what you want to do is you want to look at the big picture and kind of zoom out and look at what he has done in the NFL up to this point. And when you go back and look at Golden Tate, he had two 90-plus catch seasons in a row in Detroit. So if you would have said, look, this five-game sample sucks, but I know that there's a bigger, larger sample size here telling me that Golden Tate is going to blow up at some point. And when he does, I can have him at 1% ownership. That's what you want to hit on to try to win a GPP. And of course, in week six against the Rams, he blows up for, I believe it's eight, 165 and a touchdown. And he won people thousands of bucks and he won people boats. So that's what you want to be looking for. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, just to add to that, I, I mean, Golden Tate is actually a perfect example because in the first few weeks of the season, Ben, you're right. I mean, it was Marvin Jones, and people are going out there and playing Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones. But we know that eventually Golden Tate is going to turn it around. It's, it's a big enough sample size over the past couple seasons that he's going to be able to do that. And one thing I like to look at too, when just looking at matchups, and obviously matchups is so important. I mean, you could look at fantasy points against per position, uh, and, and maybe the Texans give up uh, the most points to wide receivers after the five five weeks, and everyone's going to target that number one guy. well maybe everyone's gonna target that number one guy I think he's gonna be high owned I'm gonna go after their number two wide receiver and and just kind of look at it that way and you can be contrarian in in ways like that the the NFL
0: and fantasy football is funny because like you're talking about with Golden Tate it's you're good until you're bad and you're bad until you're good oh yeah and and we we overreact to to small samples but that's also part of football because you're never going to get a large sample for example you know Todd Gurley last year you're through week eight or whatever and he's not giving you very much but then he just really never turned it around but so you got to take there's there's so many factors of of the matchup and things that we're going to bring you here uh articles that these two fine gentlemen are going to be bringing you every single week in the dfs pass if you if you want to pick one of those up and i, I want to talk real quick about since we're talking about ownership with injuries do you uh, I'll, and i'll shoot this one over to to chris chris do you is there specific injuries where that you're going to completely be off of that player? you're not going to play him you're going to fade him say He's got a lower body injury, so I don't want to I, I don't want to take that risk. Even though I know that he's going to be at a low ownership, uh, as compared to say a shoulder injury. Do you have a process that it, where you're filtering through those kinds of things?
2: So, f- I mean, for cash games, um, and you know, especially with the lineups lock, uh, you know, over Fanduel, I will be a little bit hesitant to do that. I don't want to take that take that risk. But you know what? It's not necessarily a bad idea to to take somebody who is questionable that you feel is good like maybe Mike Evans is, has, has a shoulder injury and you feel the community and the fantasy world is kind of out on this guy and they'd rather pay up for Antonio Brown this week well I know hearing all that like I'm thinking low ownership I'm thinking hey you know what this guy may be fine and and if he is, he's got the upside to, to catch 10 balls for 100-plus yards and find the end zone twice, and I feel like he could be low on. So uh, I'm willing to maybe roll the dice a little bit more in GPPs on, on questionable guys as opposed to uh, just cash guys. And, and what you guys were talking about earlier, this is like, what have you done for me lately, world? It always is. Yep. I mean, you play Mike Evans again against San Diego, and this guy has six catches for 38 yards. Well, I'm not playing him next week in Seattle and then he gets 11 targets, 8 catches, and 104 yards and 2 scores. That's exactly what happened to Mike Evans last year. That's just an example of feeling out the community. Uh, what have you done for me lately? If this guy is struggling, much like the Golden State thing, you know eventually he's going to turn it around, and he could even turn it around in a tough matchup because we know he's a terrific wide receiver.
1: And to piggyback off what Chris said, most people that you're playing against are going to set their lineups early in the week, or at least not, they're going to set them before Sunday morning. And that's why I personally just wait until Sunday morning to set my lineups. Now, if you're somebody that can set them earlier in the week and you're totally fine adjusting them throughout the week. That's fine. I know personally, I don't really like to adjust once I lock in. So I wait to make my lineups until I have as much information as possible. And that's an important way that you can gain leverage over the field. Like what Chris is talking about, if a stud like Mike Evans is questionable and, they, and he's pronounced active an hour before game time and the reports are coming out that he's not going to be limited. Well, 90% of the people you're playing against already locked in their lineups and they're not going to touch him. and they made those lineups with Evans questionable so they didn't play him because they didn't know so wait until you have as much information as possible and that's another way that can help as well
0: how do you handle that situation if it's an afternoon game and your other options of of players are limited would and, and it's a let's say it's a superstar so a high-priced player like Mike Evans are you Less likely to do it, just as likely to wait on him, or, or are you just going to? Is that more a hands off situation for you?
1: Yeah, it's it's probably more hands off. It just makes it so much tougher because the majority of the games in the in the main Sunday slate are already going to have happened. So, I mean, there's certainly something, especially on DraftKings, where you can late swap even after the early games have started as long as that guy's playing in the afternoon to where you can set up a roster construction and say, I'm going to go with Jordy Nelson if Mike Evans can't play. But if he can, I know Evans is $100 more than Nelson, meaning I can afford Evans. Maybe I'll have a team where I'll switch to him at that point because I know nobody's going to play him. So there's certainly ways to do it. I don't focus on doing that all that much. Uh, and it and, and makes it tougher to do when, when most of the games have taken place. And then on FanDuel, of course, like what Chris has already talked about, when all when the first games start and everybody locks, it makes it really tough to play a guy that you don't know is going to play and you can't late swap. But then, of course, there, if you have a good feeling that he's going to play and you want to risk it and he does play, then, of course, he's going to be low-owned because most people are going to be risk-averse there. So it just kind of depends on your feel for the situation, but usually I stay away from it um, when it's a situation like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you're going, what you're talking about, Ben, you got the Sunday night game, Demarius Thomas, Sunday night, he's questionable on FanDuel. I mean, you got to have your lineups at one o'clock. It's really hard to to be confident enough to have Demarius Thomas in your lineup. And, and going back to DraftKings and, and talking about Mike Evans and Jordy Nelson, one tip that I've learned along the ways is maybe just, uh, you know, you can put Mike Evans into the flex spot and if that doesn't work out and he's not going to play and you find out he's not going to play that late game, maybe you can swap him out for a back similar price. Uh, even still, you can put in a wide receiver or a tight end. So you're not limited to just having to go for a wide receiver. If you have him as your one or your two or three wide receivers, uh, if he's in the flex spot, you can sub out at any position you want to do. That's a yeah.
1: phenomenal point, And you should honestly be doing that regardless if a guy is, is questionable or has an injury or not. You should always put somebody in the flex spot that has like the latest game out of all the players in your lineup because it just gives you more flexibility like you're talking about, Chris. If you have a chance to win a GPP and you go look at the leaderboard and there's 12 people in front of you that have the same wide receiver as you, but you realize that it looks like nobody has, let's say, Eddie Lacy is the same cost as the wide receiver you were going to play. Well, your only chance of beating out those 12 people in front of you is to play the running back because that's the contrarian play at that point, and he's the only way that you can rise up to the top. So you want to leave yourself as much flexibility as possible in those instances. And, of course, we're talking about DraftKings where there is the flex, and you do have the ability to late swap if you want to. Let's move
0: it over to a, a crucial strategy Play here we, we refer to this on the fantasy footballers as the double stuff because we we like to do this in a redraft situation you like to have the quarterback and the wide receiver on the same team because it those big plays feel so good so when you get good. that touchdown and you you were down 40 points all of a sudden you are right within striking distance but this, this is actually a very popular and it's because of uh, it really helps your upside here is stacking players from the same team and the the most common being the quarterback wide receiver so when you when you are constructing your gpps ben do you always have a quarterback wide receiver stack or do you do you sometimes is this like a 50 50 just some of the time you do the stack uh, how do you approach that the the most common one
1: yeah so i'm Almost always having at least one stack in there. There is a term, the very classy term, "naked," which means you. If you're playing a quarterback naked, that means you're not stacking and you're playing them all very by yourself. Very classy. Yeah, and the only time that you'd really do that is if it's a rushing quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, and you're banking on him getting you enough points at that quarterback spot at a low salary. Um, And, you know, a guy like Sammy Watkins or something like that is out. So you're going to play him, but you're not going to stack. But almost all the time I'm stacking at least the quarterback and the wide receiver, just like you talked about, Mike. And the thing there is, you know, that's become so mainstream that it's honestly not even that contrarian anymore. But of course, it depends on what stack you're choosing. And so if you're taking... A quarterback and a wide receiver that you feel are going to be pretty low owned and you're throwing the stack on top of it it's just a way to diversify and a way to get contrarian which is what we've been talking about and then of course there's other ways to even make it even better in terms of being unique which is you know if let's say you just you loved drew Brees this week and you think he's going to throw 400 yards and four touchdowns well if you think he's going to do that just playing one of his pass catchers probably isn't even the wise strategy. You want to get two in there. You want to get three in there. And so we start talking about some mega stacks and and things like that, which most people don't do because they think well what are the odds that this is going to hit but you have to also think that your odds are extremely low of winning this gpp in the first place and again it's it's all about the correlation if drew Brees does go out and do that for you and you play both michael thomas and willie sneed and they both end up catching two of his touchdowns and you end up getting all eight total because when the quarterback throws the touchdown to the wide receiver, you're getting two touchdowns for the price of one. That's an easy way to start rising up the leaderboard. And there's plenty of other stacks we can talk about too, but I'm sure Chris wants to jump in as well.
0: Well, so I, I just want to jump in here, Chris. It sounds, Ben, like you are a – when you're constructing that GPP, you are a why not man. Instead of this why would I do this, why would, why would I not do it?
1: Yeah, my and chances- you have to – that's what I was saying earlier. You have to start training your brain that way because what you don't think – is going to happen is basically the only chance that you have of winning a GPP because everybody is thinking the same exact thing. Well, I, I wouldn't play that cause it's not going to happen. When, when you look <laughs> at the end of the day, when you go and you look at who won a GPP and you read their lineup, most of the times you're just gonna, you're going to be a meme. You're going to be like, what they played who? <laughs> and you just have to start doing that. And sometimes that means He played three pass catchers with the quarterback. This is what we talked about last week with the Pittsburgh Steelers, five Steelers. And I remember going and looking at that team and thinking, there's no way in heck that could have happened, but it did. And so you have to start thinking that way.
2: How do you approach
0: stacks, Chris?
2: It was even the Steelers defense. I mean, he had Bell, he had Bryant, he had Brown, he the Steelers D in there, Heath Miller, Ben. So uh, I agree with what Ben was saying. Uh, Sometimes I don't necessarily, though, like... With Aaron Rodgers, if I want to roll out Aaron Rodgers and I think he's going to get four or five touchdowns, I'm not necessarily like, yeah, it's really appealing to play Jordy Nelson. I like that, but also like Jordy Nelson led the league in red zone touchdown, or red zone targets. Well, Devontae Adams was was top four or five exactly in red zone targets as well. And then they get Martellus Bennett in there. Randall Cobb could have a day. Uh, Montgomery could catch a few balls. It could be spread out. All of these guys could have just one touchdown and. I'm not necessarily going to play those targets with Rodgers. I mean, I I like that strategy. I will do that sometimes. And when that Pittsburgh Steelers lineup was presented for the million dollars, like, I was doing that every week after. I was picking maybe this year. I'll roll out the Patriots. In 16 weeks, I'll probably try this. Every single week, well, I'll have a Patriots team and just hope that you know what they put up fifty points and everybody gets a piece of it. I have no problem with that, but on the flip side, like with Rodgers, uh, with Brady, I don't know where all these touchdowns. I, I, yeah, I think he's going to score three, or throw three or four touchdowns, but I don't know if Julian Edelman's going to get those three. I don't know if Cooks is going to get that. I don't know if it's Gronk. So there may be value elsewhere and good matchups from other wide receivers. That, you know, again, going back to Mike Evans, maybe I don't want to play Jameis and Mike Evans. Maybe I want to play Rodgers, but I do want to play Evans because I know he's going to have a good day. And I'll just look at wide receivers that I feel like are ones are in good matchups. Injuries happen. They're going to get a boost in value, but I still have that quarterback that I feel like is going to go off. But I also don't want to cap myself sometimes of just having Jordy when I know it's and when and when it's Adams and Cobbs who went off, Cobb who went off. That can be frustrating, but I'm definitely into the stacks. I'm into the mega stacks. Uh, uh, it's not a bad if you're just learning fantasy here and you're just trying this out. It, you know, it's not a bad idea to take that quarterback and the number one option, and even a pass catching, catching back, too. Maybe I don't want Jeremy Macklin and Mike Wallace. I'll go Flacco and maybe Danny Woodhead. I know Flacco's not that appealing, but maybe it's a good matchup and he's cheap, and I'm shooting for upside and, and low ownership.
0: So, Chris is going full. Soldier Boy with stacks on stacks
2: <laughs> on stacks. <laughs> That's right.
0: How do you like that reference? Meanie up the Idea? The Canadian man.
2: The Canadian man. I mean, why why, why wouldn't I? Like, this Patriots offense is fantastic, right? I mean, why wouldn't I yes. have. And it's expensive. So that is an expensive stack. I mean, to have Brady and to have Gronk and to have Edelman. And then maybe I, you know, Gillisley is kind of. Eh, because what Gillisley runs into the end zone is going to hurt everybody else, right? I mean, Gillisley's going to get that rushing touchdown. Brady's not going to throw it. Gronk's not going to catch it. Edelman's not going to catch it. Cook's not going to catch it. Maybe I take James White instead. And he has a Super Bowl performance and he does, you know, what he did in that big sure. game. So uh, there's. There's ways to look at it that way, and it, you know what? Not a lot of people do that. And like what Ben said, I mean, look at that Steelers lineup. You look at the game-winning lineups, and you're like, what? Uh, again, we talked about this last week, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, somebody played Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you threw through seven touchdowns, and you yeah. were you were good to go. So uh, I will be doing that this year. It's not my main strategy, but I will have lineups that are just heavy one team uh, and just hope it works out.
1: I love that you brought it up, too, because I, I the the Steelers domination bonanza, that's what I like to call it. It inspired me to write about this before last season, because and and the Patriots would be the example of that this year. And some people might be hearing you talk about playing Gillisley and Brady and thinking, well, why would you do that? Because that's a negative correlation. But again, if you look at a matchup and say, well, the Patriots are playing the Browns and, you know, that's just completely there's one at the top of the league and one at the bottom of the league. I think the Patriots are going to score 45 points. Well, there's going to be enough points to go around. And when an entire offense is at sync, even if Gillisley scores a couple rushing touchdowns, and that is a negative correlation for Brady. Brady's still going to have the ability, if you think they're going to score that many points, to throw three touchdowns on top of that. And the Saints showed that last year against the 49ers. There's a huge disparity in talent there. Mark Ingram was a GPP winner because the week before that, Tim Hightower had taken a lot of opportunity, so people were afraid to play him. But on top of Ingram going insane, Drew Brees went insane to Michael Thomas too, and people won tournaments with all three of those guys. So it can be a quarterback and running back as well. And not just the domination bonanza. The other one that I like that inspired me from 2015 was you guys remember that giant Saints back and oh, yeah. forth shootout? Of course, I was going to oh, bring course. this up. Bring yeah, this up exactly, exactly. The game stack too. You, if you look at it and you say there are two passing offenses that I love, and both of the passing defenses aren't that good, which is exactly what you had two years ago, then you it's okay to stack both teams in that same game, because once one team throws a touchdown, which is what happened, then the other team's going to come back and do the same thing. And if you are able to hit on a game that ends 49 to 52, like that one, you don't even need to play that many players in any other games. And I've fallen victim to this too. It's easy to think, well, there's 13 games on this slate. So I need to spread out my ownership and get somebody in this game and somebody in this game. But a lot of times you can spread yourself too thin, and that this comes back to the whole stacking example. Get guys that correlate together, and if they pop, they pop together, and you start shooting up the
2: leaderboard. You're looking at Vegas Lions and game script is so important. I'm glad you brought up like with Lee too, because, yeah, you're right. Brady's going to get his. He's going to throw his four touchdowns, and then you look at red zone rushing attempts from last year, like Eric Blunt got his as well. And, and will could just fall into the end zone a couple times, and they could be up. Well, they probably will be in most games, and then in the second half, they'll run the ball and they'll they'll get a lot of touches that way. And and yeah, that that Giants and Saints game. I mean, if you just stacked, you had every wide receiver, one of the quarterbacks, a couple backs, and you were you were on your way. I mean, looking at game script, Vegas lines totals is, is certainly huge, and you can't you can't forget about that. Absolutely, and the,
0: the that brings me to just another another full circle point here where we talked about just because something has happened. That doesn't mean it's going to happen again with the Giants-Saints. It was an absolute bonanza. Last year, the Giants versus the Saints, it was all lined up again. Yep. Yep. Everyone loaded up Great and point. it was awful.
2: And, Mike, to that point, I mean, it's again, it's like, what have you done for me lately? It's always in that, and everyone wants to go to that. Sometimes you can look at three games that are appealing like that and everyone is in on that one game. It's like – and I'm sorry to bring baseball to the, to the term, though. It's How like a dare lot of people, you? A lot of people will stack Rockies at home. Well, let's take the road team. You know what I mean? Like, let's, yeah. like the one game total is at 55. Everyone's going to jump at that. I'm going to jump at the one that's 48 that I still feel like is high, but I know everyone's going to that other one. I'm not, and, that's, and that's what happened. A lot of people went to that game thinking that this same thing was going to happen. But if you were to look at another high total and you could have just went the other way, and then you're on your way.
1: And that's why it's being contrarian in the first place is trying to to be the first person to predict something before it ever happens. And yeah, I was on that game too last year and it didn't work out. But we all were,
0: Ben. Don't feel bad.
1: It had just happened the year before. So of course, everybody's going to jump right to that. And so it's trying to look at these instances and learn from them and be able to use it to predict a situation that's going to happen in the future. That's not the exact same thing so that you can be on it when not that many other people are on it. And of course, that's where the bragging rights comes in on top of the boat that you get. Oh, so many boats.
0: So many boats. <laughs>
1: so many what boats. Boat. Man. <laughs> All
0: right. Before we close it out, fellas, we're gonna we're gonna jump to both of you and we're gonna talk your process. I mean, we've been talking overall strategy, but this is your time to say this is how I do it. When I'm when I'm looking at building some lineups for the weekend, this is my process. Ben, we'll start with you.
1: Uh, So, so work me through the beginning to the end. How, how do you go about it? All right. Well, Chris has touched on it already. Um, You know, I'm looking at a lot of statistics and that's where all these articles that we're going to bring you that I'm going to bring you are going to come in handy because I'm looking at target share. I'm looking at the overall amount of targets. I'm looking at carry share. Is this guy in a. Uh, Is he in a timeshare or is he the stud workhorse? And you can predict that opportunity. So once I break all that down and also look at the matchups in terms of, are they going against a weak defense? What's their past defense been like over the past three weeks at the beginning of the season? You have to look at what they did the year before and compare it to their offseason moves. So once I break down each game using some statistics that I'm going to bring to you guys as well. Then I start to kind of look at it and determine which matchups I like, and then I start to rank players. And once I rank the players, what I personally do is I kind of, and you have to get a feel for this yourself, and if you haven't played that much DFS, it's probably gonna take a little bit, but I personally try to guess what salaries are going to be based on my rankings, and then I go in And look at the salaries because that's such an easy way to gain leverage because 95% of your competition is just going to log into FanDuel or DraftKings and look at the prices. And what the prices are also doing is essentially forming their own rankings. And so people are going to look at that and their thought process is going to be affected based on what they're looking at. And it's not just a ranking. You also have to look at what the difference in price is. So if Antonio Brown's the number one ranked wide receiver that week and OBJ is two, but they're only a hundred dollars apart, that's not a big deal. But if you look at it and Antonio Brown is a thousand dollars more expensive than the next wide receiver, then it starts to become, well, he's so expensive that it makes a lot more sense to fade him. So you want to pay attention to that. And when you guess, what the prices are going to be based on what value you think they should have. It's really easy to say, okay, well, you know, Delaney Walker's in a great matchup. You know, this is last year. If if we're talking about last year, you know, he's one of their main targets. Great matchup. I I thought he'd be about 4,500 on DraftKings and he's 3,600. That's an easy way to say, I think that's good value. I should probably get him in one of my lineups. And so once I do that and I'm not affected by the prices and the rankings that are put out, I'm able to be more unique because I'm going off of my own evaluations and what I think is going to happen. So, kind of moving forward, I also put more emphasis on players at home and players in good games. And Chris already talked about it, looking at those Vegas lines and just kind of projecting for yourself what games you think are going to be high scoring, because obviously that's what we're looking for, right? Uh, And the other thing that I like to do is keep kind of a list of players throughout the week, because again, it's a week-to-week game, so we have a whole week to overthink things, right? And you know, if you've played before, you've probably at least once before loved a guy on Tuesday and then, nah, I'm not feeling it on Sunday, and then he ends up blowing up and you didn't put him in your lineup. So I like to keep track of all the players that I like throughout the week, have them written down so that Saturday night or Sunday morning, usually when I go enter my lineups, I have that list. And even if I'm necessarily not as excited now, there was a reason why I was excited on Tuesday and I'll use that to help me guide creating my lineups based on the the guys that I like the most. And of course you got to look at every injury and I'm going to bring you an injury article too, because again, that's why it's so important for me personally, not to lock anything in until Sunday morning, because there's always injury news breaking on Sunday morning. And if there's a running back that's ruled out, the running back position is the easiest to predict opportunity. And I know we just did a whole show on being contrarian, But you don't have to overthink it. Not all nine players have to be contrarian. There can be some chalk plays in your lineup as long as you balance it out by being contrarian in some aspects. And so that's important for me to not lock it in because let's say Spencer Wares ruled out an hour and a half before game time. Now I'm looking at Kareem Hunt if he's already been involved the first couple weeks in the season, because even if he's going to be low owned, he's very cheap, which allows me to pay up at other positions. And it's a running back. So predicting that opportunity is not that hard. So again, that's just a long way of saying the last thing I like to do is not lock anything in until I have as much information as possible.
0: What I really liked about that, Ben, is the you, when you're, when you're uh, estimating the salary, that's very similar for what we talk about in redraft of how important it is to have your own rankings. Because once yes. you get into a draft room, ESPN or whoever your provider is, they get they put that list up there and it starts yeah we're not no one's immune to it it starts nope. messing with your brain Nobody. that that these names are up high on the list they have to be better than the guy that i want to take so that's i think that's a an excellent point as well as write it down i mean there's there's a reason you have these these feelings i, I believe it was uh, sigmund bloom i saw him comments on something on twitter where he was someone had brought up gut feeling and, and then someone, of course, was, was dismissing the gut feeling and, Sig- and Bloom jumped in and said, There's a, th- we have gut feelings because it's, it's so many factors and the variables are just – they're being absorbed and your brain is going through all of those things and that translates into this gut feeling you have. So it's, it's not just based on nothing, right? Exactly. It's, it's based on so many factors, but then it, we just end up calling it the gut feeling. All right, Chris, I want to hear your process, and I and, and I don't care that you'll probably have some overlap because you guys are both excellent DFS players, but... Go ahead and walk me through your process throughout the week, Chris.
2: Yeah, I mean, I could be echoing Ben here a little bit. I agree with with basically all of his strategy and what he does. I mean, it is very important, and you guys just touched on it, to rank your players. I mean, you can't. It's such a mistake to open up the FanDuel page and open up the DraftKings page and look at the prices and say, oh, oh Crabtree is ahead of Cooper, but I like Cooper more. And Like, you have to rank your guys, know where you like them, and, and then you can kind of find value that way. I mean, for the most part, these, I mean, DraftKings and FanDuel, their pricing is right on point I mean if you think because you know Jordy Nelson is is hurt and Randall Cobb is questionable and you don't think Devontae Adams is going to be highly priced and you're mistaken I mean they're on top of things for the most part Uh, so it it can be hard to to find some value but you may be higher on a guy that you know DraftKings is not higher on and you can find value that way so uh, I mean ranking your guys right off the get-go Tuesday morning Monday night whatever you want to do you rank your players and then you can open up that DraftKings page, and then you can start looking at where prices are, and it's like, hey, I'm higher on this guy than they are, and you can maybe pick that player if you if you really feel strongly about them. Uh, I don't. I'm not afraid to break the quote unquote quote unquote rules. A running back with a quarterback, we already talked about that, the rules. Uh, As long as it's a pass catcher and I feel like he's going to get five-plus targets, I'm all right with that. A Theo Riddick and a Matthew Stafford, I'm certainly fine with that. Uh, You know, a lot of people talk about don't pair a wide receiver with the quarterback. You know, if it's a running quarterback, you know, for example, Ty – Tyrod Taylor. Maybe you don't want Sammy Watkins. You know, Taylor's going to run around. Being a little bit contrarian there is fine. I typically fade to Thursday nighter if I'm going into a Thursday. We touched on this a little bit last week, uh, you know, Thursday, Monday contests only. But if you're going into a Thursday to a Monday, a full week, you know, we have a large enough sample size. I mean, those Thursday night games have been pretty dud. They've been duds, like not a lot of points are being scored. It's, it's short rest. Uh, You don't see typically phenomenal performances from some of these guys, so I tend to fade that, and I shoot for upside. I shoot for upside... When it comes to GPPs, I'm looking for touchdowns. I mean, that's how you get the name of the game. Yeah, yeah, targets and, and volume is nice. It's nice, uh, you know, Julian Edelman and Jarvis Landry are going to get their looks, but I these guys aren't scoring touchdowns for me. I'm looking for touchdowns. I'm looking for targets, guys who are going to get targeted inside the red zone, guys who are going to get rushing attempts inside the red zone. Nobody's going to steal those rushing attempts from Melvin Gordon inside the red zone. I'm looking at that because the touchdowns is, is just huge for the upside. Uh, just like a couple tips if you're going to play. uh, I know I'm going back here for GPP and head-to-heads and cash, but if you're just new to this and you want to play head-to-heads and you just want to play against one person, that's you feel comfortable that you can beat one person, don't go looking for head-to-heads. Just set up a head-to-head yourself and let somebody come and find you. Sometimes I feel like sharks will set up the head-to-heads and they'll just sit there and they'll wait and you go find a head-to-head and go pick one. You can be going up against somebody who who is way more experienced than you. And that's just one little little tidbit I'll say about head to heads and little cash games. And then again I look for looking for value. Uh, I talked earlier about this with quarterbacks and Ben touched on it too with, you know, uh, maybe big uh like Tom Brady. Tom Brady you can look at the game script. You can say that they're just going to crush this team. He's not going to throw the ball a ton in the fourth quarter and the third quarter. Maybe I'm going to target a quarterback who's an underdog, uh, who's fairly cheap and has the upside to, to maybe throw three or four touchdowns and try to play from behind. And you know that they're going to throw the ball a ton. It's like, Bilal Powell in fantasy. People don't want this guy in redraft leagues, I think, because the Jets are not going to score a lot of points. Well, the chances are they're going to be down in a lot of football games, and we saw towards the end of last season that was the case. And this guy's getting a lot of targets and a lot of volume and some catches, and he can attrition points just that way. When I'm looking at value, I'm looking at GPPs and I'm saying 180 points. Ben, I don't know, you can touch on this after. 180 points for me is the goal. I mean, if I can get to 180 points, in a GPP, I feel like, hey, this is pretty good. And if you're looking at maybe just $1,000 per player, so 3.6 points per player, I feel like if you reach that number, you're going to find value. Uh, that's just one way I like to look at it. If if $10,000, if that's the price for Bell, he better be scoring me 30-plus points. Uh, that's what I want. And, and like Ben said as well, you can really find value through running backs it's okay to be chalky if DeMarco Murray's not going to play and and he's a last-minute scratch. And this came out of nowhere because the pricing was set. And DeMarco Murray all of a sudden on Sunday morning, we didn't hear at all about DeMarco Murray on Sunday morning, and this guy's hurt and he's not going to play. A lot of people are going to probably go to Derrick Henry, and he's priced as like a backup. And it's okay to play him. It's going to be chalky, but he's a cheap play, and it allows you to spend up elsewhere.
1: It's much more obvious to fade wide receivers and tight ends that are super high owned because they're more prone to variance. And Chris, you were just touching on that. Like we talked about a running back. We know we're going to get those carries if they're going to be the guy. So if it is a chalk play at running back, whether it is, A cheap guy coming in because of an injury, or it's just a David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. I mean, go and look at the winners, uh, basically all of last season, and they had a stud running back in there because the landscape of the position changed. So I love that you bring that up. And yeah, to your point about hitting 180, you're making money if you're there. Um, If you get over 200, you're really chilling. And to look, you can also look at that from a player standpoint and basically say, okay, this is what the guy's salary is, and you kind of want in tournaments. You want four times or five. If you get to five times times uh the the point total that the player brings in terms of how much they cost five times that then you're really chilling there so four times five times you can kind of do the math and say okay well he's ten thousand dollars is he gonna hit 40 is he gonna hit 50 if i don't think so then maybe he's not the best play and it it just depends what the salary is and, and you can do your own calculations there to determine if they're a good player a good value or not well there it is there is some some uh some basic some
0: high level strategy talk when it comes to the guaranteed prize pool the gpp's when you're jumping in there trying to get them boats <laughs> and of course with the ultimate dfs pass which which Ben and Chris are a part of we're going to be giving you those value plays we're going to be doing the deep diving all the research cuz let's be honest we don't all have time to to find all those things and we're going to be giving everyone a leg up and you can find that at ultimate dfs pass com we will catch you next time for a little bit more strategy talk the season is nearly upon us and reminder we will be in your pockets every friday giving you all kinds of of daily fantasy goodness my co-hosts ben cummins ben cummins ff on twitter and chris meanie from the fantasy sports network chris what's
2: your twitter i don't remember just Chris Meany right there. Uh, Chris <laughs> Meaney. It's pretty simple. M E A N E Y. How can you not forget? How can you not? I am
0: I am ashamed and a little bit embarrassed, but I but I am your host, Mike Wright. I hope you enjoyed another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FF Hitman, and we will check you out uh, next episode. Goodbye.